You're listening to this week's edition of The Road. What are you doing right now in your time and space in your lane? Because if something ain't happening for the Lord, don't think just because you cross the seas and risk your life that something's going to happen. It may happen. It may, it may not be good for you because you out there trying to fight the devil in a field and a battlefield you're not supposed to. At The Road, our vision is to raise up wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information on The Road, visit theroad.org. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, what a warm welcome, and uh, I'm so glad to have the opportunity to be here and um, now it's funny because I am Cajun it kind of stymies things up uh, a really well known impersonator who has over 200 voices we've spoken together at different events and he's, he's impersonating all the other speakers and he never could get me <laughs> he goes I try I can't that's how bad I speak and then I've spoken at events where there's uh, someone signing and bless their heart, they're... <laughs> so I always kind of have to apologize for that. Uh, I want to welcome our Facebook followers that are joining us live. You guys, uh, our Facebook base has grown to over a quarter of a million people now uh, that follow us. And what an army of people who pray and support the ministry. And uh, then we started an Arab-based Facebook page just to reach predominantly Muslims and Arabs and this past week we reached 2 million Arabs in it so yeah and uh, a, a very well known Arab news media group flew a, a crew out here and did an interview with my wife and I uh, to find out about the work that we do why are y'all coming to Iraq and why do you help children in Syria? Uh, they're, they're confused about why Christians from America would come and love their children. And it's, a, it's, it's such an easy answer. So because of it, we've been able to develop so many friendships around the world and, and in the Arab world. And, and uh, it's funny because they... Their tagline for the story that they just showed on their TV stations and social media was how a Marine, a former Marine who hated Arabs and joined the Marine Corps to kill them, now loves them. Isn't that interesting? Because I joined right after the Beirut bombing with one thing in mind, to kill Arabs and Muslims, and I, I thought for sure all Muslims were terrorists. And uh, that just certainly is not the truth. Uh, and I learned who the real enemy is of mankind when I was able to focus and our, our energies toward the wicked one, the Bible calls a devil, it sure gave me a lot better perspective on how to, how to handle my angst. Does that make sense? But uh, I, I really hope today that by the time we're done, we all are excited, motivated, but inspired to run in our lane, our particular lane, the way God has made and called us to do. Or, all of you can sign up and we'll go to Syria with us on our next team. Yeah, some of you, <laughs> that would be a good fit. 
but I'll tell you what, what y'all saw on the video and everything that we've done would not be possible without my bride, Eileen, because she's been part of it in every aspect. I mean, raise your hand to help me out. How many of you have never heard me speak? Uh, raise your hand. Who's ne- Okay, so for perspective, one, that's my wife and my girlfriend. We celebrated 30 years uh, in December, and we have five children and one grandbaby. So uh, our first pump into Iraq was when ISIS had just recently attacked. It was, it, it was horrible. People were beheading. Everything you saw in the news, there was so much fear in America. And God gave us the opportunity to put teams together to go to help girls and kids who had been held captive. But it would put us right, uh, right next to bad folks. And some people are called to be right next to bad folks. Do you know that? Some folks are called to get a little bit closer. And, and destroy the manifestations of evil. And we shouldn't shun those people. We should thank them. I have a colleague who was with the unit or CAG Delta Force in, uh, for many years, and we were in Iraq together, and uh, he's actually on a, well, I'll stop. He is a great friend. If I remember calling him, I said, do you miss killing bad people? He goes, a lot. <laughs> I said, why? He goes, I'm so good at it. I said, well, how do you, how, how do you really mesh the Christianity and, you know, killing bad people. He goes, God gave me a gift for violence in the time I needed it, but it was all motivated by God's love to stop a monster from killing children and women and innocent people. I was like, amen, brother. (laughs) So sometimes I think Christians, we can get one-sided on our thought of what the scriptures say, or we develop a God that we kind of form for ourselves to make us feel better about not wanting to be completely obedient to him. Does that make sense? It, it sounded kind of jumbled in my brain, honey. Was that all right? All right. So when my wife, she, she went with us on our first mission into uh, very, very hostile, non-permissive environments. And at one point we were so close to ISIS that they had a, you know, they, you know, you could ping each other. And I remember asking my wife before we went, why do you want to go? She's like, well, when you find the girls, you can hug them, but I can. I'm like, wow, you willing to risk your life just to hug them girls? She said, they need hugging. They need a mama bear's love. I said, all right. But I was like, aren't you, you know, in the least bit? Mm-hmm. She goes, well, well, she goes, what's the worst that can happen? We die? I'm like, yeah, that one, <laughs> that answer. You know what she responded with? Just straight face like it. She goes, well, then don't we win? And I was like, you really believe this stuff <laughs> at a whole different level. I mean, and she's not afraid to death because she knows her certainty of her future. And she knows God hadn't caused us to be full of fear. And that's what the enemy works on so many of us with, fear. So I'll say this, um, I'm so glad to be able to be here and share the word. Now we're going to read some scripture this morning. If you have a Bible, let's open it up to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. 
I have four main verses we're going to work on. I'm going to read them. The, the translation I'm using this morning is Cajun. <laughs> what that basically means, it doesn't matter if I'm King James, New King James, English version. It doesn't matter. It's all going to sound Cajun. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. Now, it's funny because as we read, we just recently got back from our first trip to Israel. So when I talk about these cities or Caesarea or whatnot, we actually were there. And I'll tell you this, they were a lot smaller than I thought, which made it a lot more real. It wasn't like going to L.A. It was like going to Mamou, Louisiana. It was like... That's a tiny little place. I can throw a rock almost across this little village. But it made it so much more real for us. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said to him, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or, you know, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, meaning the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was a Christ. So here's where Peter gets his nickname. This is where he as an operator gets his handle. Call him the rock. There was a rock before the rock. What I like is Jesus declared that he would build his church upon the rock. Now, he's not talking about Peter. Peter's a small rock. But he's talking about himself. He's a cornerstone, right? That he was going to build his church. And the gates of hell would not prevail against it. What does that tell us? There's a war. For, for Jesus to declare to his disciples right there, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail. And I envision gates of hell trembling or maybe in and out demons and hordes coming out toward and against the church. Because how many do feel like we're in a battle against forces of darkness? Raise your hand. Yep. Yep. So here, Jesus, I love he gives us a positive statement. We're in a war, but don't worry. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Just like he said, uh, that scripture What's the scripture? A weapon won't be formed against you. What weapon won't prosper? What is it? No weapon formed against you will prosper. I believe you know that scripture. Reminds me of my mom. My mom would always tell me that scripture. Bless her heart. Don't worry, she's still alive. My, my, because of the crazy background we came from, my mom had to learn how to use scripture. In order to get your no to know it. Does that make sense? And by, by the end of the day, I think we're going to be able to do it a little bit better. So he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. We've been talking about the kingdom of heaven. 
here at this church, right? Advancing, bringing forth the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, people talk about we, we desire revival. Is that right? We desire revival. In its semantics, I think, the way you look at it, I heard one preacher say, revival? It's already here. Are you part of it? Because I think there are small little revivals going on in people's lives where they're experiencing the power of God. They're experiencing, for some signs and wonders, they're experiencing the word of God being so real and lives being changed. They're in a personal revival. I heard that all of us as Christians should go home, draw a circle around us in a piece of chalk and pray that there's a revival that happens right there within that circle. And then things would start changing around us. So he talks about the keys, the keys to the kingdom. This, this talks about access, power, and authority. And he goes on to say, whatever you bind on earth, you know, we bound in heaven and loosen. I'm not going to cover that. I'm not going to exegete all that. You can because there's different positions on that. But I want us to know that the keys he's talking about is us having the authority, the authority that Christ gives us to bring forth his kingdom in each our unique way. I, tra- I get, I'm privileged to travel and speak around the country, around the world, just was in Germany. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, people get pretty stoked when they see the stuff that we do and we get people contact us all the time. I feel, we had one lady, I know God is calling me to go with you. She's just, ah, that's a great. Then if he is, he will. <laughs> Thanks. And, um, but, but my question to people is, what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now in your time and space and your lane? Because if something ain't happening for the Lord, don't think just because you cross the seas and risk your life that something's going to happen. It may happen. It may, it may not be good for you because you out there trying to fight the devil in a field, in a battlefield, you're not supposed to. When God is saying, hey, why don't you just be the mom to your rascally children that you need to be? Uh, sir, <laughs> like I told a group of men one time, I said, hey, we're putting things together. And man, and I, you know, I showed some videos that are a little bit more hardcore. And I was like, you know, wow, who'd like to go? Rawr! The men were just testosterone was oozing. It was like, whoa. I said, great. Well, we got applications and then we have... You know, we do background checks and then we, we do psychological checks and, and then we're going to have some of our teams pinpoint some of you guys and legally download your history of your computer from the street. It's not illegal. We have technology that can do that. And then we'll review your history on your browser and then we'll get back to you. <laughs> the excitement decreased a little bit. I was thinking, oh my, my, my. So really, our key to advancing the kingdom of God isn't about going overseas. It's about, are we able to do it right here and now? And um, this week I visited, I went into a store, a business, and there was a young lady at a desk. And I walked in and, you know, we're talking and then I'm waiting for something. And then somehow, I don't know, I just started talking Ended up talking about the things of God, whatever. Got all preachy on her. And uh, this, this young lady, she looked at me and she said, I don't go to church. And I never pray. 
except this morning. I came into work, and before I got started, she goes, I just started talking to God. Like, God, if you're real, if you care about me, can you help me? Give me a sign or something? And this six foot two Cajun guy walks in. Hey, what's going on, little girl? I'm going to tell you how good God is. She's like, oh my gosh. She kept saying, oh, I can't believe it. I, can't. I said, think about it. It, it. It's not your faith, that much faith just to talk to God. He brought me in here to talk to you to prove it. Answer your prayer. And, and to me, that's as exciting as talking to an ISIS fighter or praying for one, which I've done. <laughs> so, this authority of power we want to reach. Next scripture, Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. Besides, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And for some of us with wrinkles, amen. (laughs) The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. That's a heavy chapter, y'all. Y'all with me? I mean, but it's pretty clear. We're all know, no one anything but love. S- some Christians get so in debt financially that they become a slave to the debtor when you could have made better choices financially. And all you have to do is give to my ministry. 1-900-GIVE. Sorry, evangelist coming out in me. I think it is sad, though, that the church doesn't stand up against people on TV or mailing and all that, that, I mean, that absolutely take advantage of the body of Christ and innocent people by milking them for money. And I have to hear about or watch it from a non-believer who's got a late night show saying, you know what, I followed these guys. And one of them, I sent in a dollar. And he did an expose on how many letters. He got 26 letters back and forth from this televangelist that y'all would all know. And he said, when he sent in a dollar, like three letters later, the guy sent him money back, cash. And said, now, this is blessed money, pray for it and return it with 49 more dollars. And it, 26 letters, this guy's a non-believer, and they, and, but he was saying, how sick is this? How sad is this? And it is that we as Christians don't just stand up and go, that's craziness right there. That, that does not let you be judged. 
take the plank out of your own eye. I'm like, I'll take the plank out of my eye and bust him in his head with it. (laughs) The guy's an idiot. But what would Jesus do? I don't know. I'm more like, what would Peter do? (laughs) At least he got out of the boat. None of the others did. They may have been a little bit more exegetically correct. But he was running across the water. If that's you, Lord, tell me to come. Come on, Peter. Woo-hoo. And then even when he sank, the Lord grabbed him. I can imagine that conversation walking back to the boat. Peter's like, mm, fell down. I shouldn't have looked at the waves. And Jesus always said, hey, you could have more faith. I think he was telling them, but look at those guys. They never even get out the boat. They're going to be talking about this for eternity. (laughs) Trust me, I know. (laughs) So, verse 11, he says, You know the time, the hours come for you to wake from your sleep. Some of us as Christians, and even some of you are non-believers, you're in a sleep, you're in a funk, and it's like, wake up. How many of you honestly would say the years have passed by a little bit faster than you thought they would. Raise your hand. <laughs> what, is, what is that about? So the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So he gives us a command. He says, let us cast off the works of darkness. That's a doing. Do y'all hear me? That's something that you have to do. You can't think God is just gonna, do you know God actually won't grow you without your effort a part in it? God just, you know, you got to be willing and you got to be obedient. When you desire, he'll grow you. When you read his word, when you obey him, when you, when you ask for growth, he'll, he'll provide you the opportunity, but it requires you being part of this. It, you can't just go, I want to wake up tomorrow and be more spiritual. One was like, here we go. He's telling us to cast off the works of darkness and then put on the armor of light. I love that. He's saying, you better put the armor on. Let us walk properly, properly, as in the daytime, not in all this other stuff, orgies and drunkenness, sexual morality, sensuality, quarreling and jealousy. Many of us can fall in these things as believers or non-believers. Believe me, sometimes I'd rather deal with someone who's struggling with porn than someone who's a gossiper and a coiler. In Jesus' name. Because at least this person knows, man, I'm flat out sinning. I need help. Uh, I'm stuck. All right, man. This person, all under the cloak of Christianity. That's why when people come to me and they talk about the pastor, I'm like, whoa, really? Hang on, let's call him. Because if he doesn't know this, he needs to. They're like, hey, hey, man, that's, that's confidential. I said, oh, it's not like gossipential. Gossipential. Now, granted, there are times you need to confide in someone, but I find the enemy works very hard in the church by just cause of dissension. And sometimes it's the nicest ladies. Men, that's when you hold very still. <laughs> don't look, don't turn, don't flinch. 
don't do a thing, trust me. Just breathe through your belly. No chest movement. You get the wrath. So put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. Men, let's talk about that porn. Let's talk about sensuality. Let's talk about those struggles that are so common in the Christian church today. Men, I'll tell you, do not let the enemy get you on the second look, third look, fourth look, or the second long look, right? I heard one guy go, I was just admiring God's handiwork. (laughs) We should look at women as our sisters in Christ. We should look at girls as uh, our daughters, right? Uh, My wife and I, you know, in our bad time of marriage, we, we actually went to the porn convention. Um, was it last year or year before? <laughs> I think it was last year. Uh, no, we did. And we actually rented a booth, a table. Don't judge us. Uh, yeah, because we don't have a struggle in that. And, uh, and we're praying and the Lord put it on our heart to go to the biggest porn convention in the country. Actually, in the world. It was in Las Vegas. So we went and rented a table and a booth. And we set up monitors and banners and showed how we were rescuing and helping children and young women hurt by ISIS. And, and then we had our books and videos out. So, you know, you, you had all these porn people walking by. They're like, what, what is that? And uh, we said, oh, this is what we do. Da, da. And they're like... Wow. Well, yeah, we, we, we love helping traumatized people. How are you doing? <laughs> we got some amazing conversations and dialogues going. This gal, she was saying, why are y'all, nobody cares about our mentality. It's just our bodies. I got no, but you know what? God cares about your mind. He cares about your life. He cares about you. And do you ever hurt? Oh my gosh. Did we not have some of the greatest conversations? I asked one very famous personality in that industry. I said, well, what's, what's one of your biggest challenges? She goes, wow. She said, nobody ever asked me that. You know what she said? Rejection. I said, wow, you're one of the best known actresses or entertainers in this industry and you deal with rejection she goes every day over I think it was over a thousand pieces of our books testimony videos went out and God did some amazing things I was interviewed by a Christian organization a media group that came in and it was just one guy with his camera he was like this set the camera up and he's like and then he goes, okay, we're rolling. Because we, believe me, it was pretty thick, everything. And uh, he's interviewing me. So, Victor, as a Christian man, red-blooded, how can, you be, how can you be in here with all these, you know, everything that's going on? I said, look directly over my shoulder. Zoom in on that person. It's my wife. She'll kill me. <laughs> but she can. She has a skill set. She's a black belt. She can use Ed's weapons. She can shoot. She's face ISIS. So it's real easy for me to stay holy right now. 
My life depends upon it. No, I said, man, I didn't say that. He was laughing, camera was moving. I said, brother, I said, I don't struggle with lust after these young gals. I said, I, I look at them as my daughters. I look at them as one time they were holding Barbie dolls. They had dreams, but now they're here. I said, I look at them as beautiful creations of God that he loves. He wants to rescue from this lifestyle. And uh, we had a photographer, one, a, a well-known photographer in the industry, end up writing us an email or a letter. And he said, uh, I've been in this industry for 35 years. He said, after watching y'all's movie and reading your stuff, he goes, man, it started making me think. My, I, was, I was raised with my grandmother. She used to bring me to Sunday school. And he goes, I, I've given my life back to the Lord. He goes, from a little kid, I got way so far off and I'm out of this. I'm like, that's so great. So wherever you are, whatever you do, you, you have to get rid of this junk. Because if you're laden down with sin and sensuality and you're not in victory in your life, you really think you're going to be a vessel that God can use. He'll use the greatest sinner, trust me. But you want to have a clear conscience. Because most of the time, men, I'm still talking to men, you know, you, you have a guilty conscience, so you don't want to press into the things of God. Like, I'm, a, I'm just an old sinner. Okay, well, why don't you use scripture to counter that? You're also saved by God's grace. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. So, before I was in any, like, ministry, uh, I worked at a karate school. My wife and I ran martial arts schools. We were suffering for the Lord in Hawaii. And... Uh, <laughs> Somebody's got to reach some natives. So we, we had uh, pretty large facilities. We had a couple of schools, big staff. It was great. But I'll never forget getting a business call. I took it. I said, hello. And this girl's voice said, would you like, are you interested in tools, power tools? And I said, uh, no, thank you. I'm okay. And then quickly she said, how would you like porn? That's what I said. I was like, What? She goes, how would you like porn videos? Because this was before the internet was kicking, you know. I was like, uh, did you see porn videos? She goes, yes, I sell porn videos. The tool thing was just a cover to get in, right? I said, well, I thought about it for a second. I said, uh, no, no, thank you. I don't need them. I was just being honest. She goes, of course you do. All men like porn, I said, mm, I don't know, no. Uh, and she was perplexed. And she started asking me questions. I said, well, let me ask you a few questions. Because I'm sure she was using her little list to try to move me toward the cell, close them. I said, why, why are you selling porn videos? And she got real quiet. She goes, sir, I'm a single mom, and I've got to earn money. I said, oh, Okay. Gosh, I understand. My mom was a single mom. She raised six kids. Ugh, I, 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 I understand. I said, can I ask you one more question? She goes, sure. Has anyone ever told you the gospel of Jesus Christ? And she goes, no. I said, do, do you mind if I do? I'm not good at it, but I think I can get through it. She said, Sure. So I told her, I told her about Jesus Christ, King of Earth, the motley crew that followed him, religious people that were, eh, eh, eh. he healed some people. You know, I just kind of 
because it's all real. It's all true. I went there. There's the Sea of Galilee. I saw it, just so y'all know. And, and then I told him he died on the cross. And, you know, I gave my life to him. And I'm forgiving my sins. And, man, he's changed my life. And when I finished, real quick, I just said, is there any reason why you can think of you shouldn't give your life to Christ Jesus? And she goes, it was a long pause. And she goes, no. I said, you want me to pray with you right now? She goes, yeah. So I prayed. She gave her life to Christ. As soon as we were done, she goes, I'm going to look for another job. I said, I'm going to pray you get one. I know you will. So I hope these stories just help you understand that whoever you are and wherever you are, let God use you the way he wants to. But you do have to cast off works of darkness. You can't have one foot in, one foot out, and you straddle fence. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Now here's, here's the thrux of the message right here. This is actually how I think we're all going to be able to walk out of here with practical tools in order to better serve the Lord, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, which we do, we're not waging war, that's that word again, war, we, this is a war we're in, against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion against the knowledge of God and take every thought. How many thoughts? Does he really mean every though? I mean, if you exegete it, let me ask the, that's what it means, every. Every thought captive to obey Christ. And then be ready to punish every disobedient when your obedience is complete. Ah. So here's the word of God telling us right here, we're in a war, but it's not in the flesh. And we're quick to move in the flesh to wage war. Does that make sense? Somebody tempts you. And it could be tempting to lust. It could be temptation for anger. Temptation to steal, lie. You're being tempted. You got to stop and go, whoa, whoa, okay, wait, wait. And anybody struggle with anger in here? Or is it just my wife? (laughs) You're not alone, honey. You're not alone. And it increases when you're, you know. I'm just observing. Uh, So... (laughs) In the Marine Corps, we used to call that liquid courage. <laughs> Guys, we want to fight. Come on, man, you're pretty liquored up. There's a lot of courage. You ought to wait till you come down and let's, let's talk about it then. So, but anger, the Bible talks about, gives a, an opening, a foothold to the enemy. Your anger, because anger can turn into bitterness, right? But wait a minute, the Bible actually says, be angry and don't sin. But these things that are going on in our culture, man, Hey, don't yell at the darkness. Just be a better light. This sex education deal, I remember sitting down with Pastor, I mean, uh, uh, he's a little-known Christian. What's his name? Dr. Dobson. James Dobson. Some of you whooped your kids on his books, right? My kids use his books to protect himself from me. (laughs) What the heck? I was like, you get credit for protection, but I got to come out. One of the times I was privileged to be interviewed by him, I said, you know what? I think we, 
I think we lost this whole marriage initiative to the gay people. I got my own reasons why we lost. And he's like, well, Victor, let's hear it. I said, I don't think it's because we didn't spend enough money. I don't think it's because we didn't protest. I said, I think we lost this whole marriage initiative because regular Christian folks trying, not all, but many, standing up, talking against them, were at home doing darts, deeds of darkness in the quietness of their home. And you can't have the power of God when you yourself are doing dark deeds. No purity, no power, people. And we're so quick to blame them homosexuals and lesbianites and Jebusites and all of them, all the different gender pronoun names and transgender. You know what? When was the last time we talked about adultery and fornication for heterosexuals in the church? When was the last time a pastor stood up and said, hey, if you're committing adultery, first of all, shame on you. It's absolutely unacceptable. And you need to repent before God. And if we find out as a church, we're coming to you, we're going to knock on your door and say, you're living in sin and you're unrepentive. Your family's being destroyed for it. Your witness for the Lord. You need to repent, man. You need to repent. Well, that may be too harsh. But let's go after them gay and lesbians. Man. Some people think I'm too harsh, but let me tell you, I'd rather do it in love. I'd rather do it in love and be very direct. <laughs> When I raised our first three, I told them, we messed up on y'all, but you made it. And they're, they're, we got two more. They're called our do-overs. And I was like, I get a second chance. And I, I definitely have tempered it with more grace. But what I said in our home went. When I told my kids, hey, high schoolers, I don't want to come in my home and listen to bad music. Hey, you can listen to all kinds of music. I don't care, genres or whatever. But nothing that's going to Wilt, hinder, or oppress our moral code. And I remember coming home and hearing the F-bomb being dropped multiple times in a song. And I was like, hey, hey. They like, turn it off. I said, never again in my home. A few weeks later, I come back. My friends got, they're up in that room, and I hear it going on again. Boom, boom. And I can hear the F-bomb. I don't need to be taught that again. I've been pretty good at it all my life. And I don't want to raise my kids in it. And let me tell you something, parents. It's not hypocritical for you to demand from your children something that's better for them unless you're still doing it yourself. That's the only way it's hypocritical. Some of you don't want to talk to your kids about sexual purity because you weren't pure as a kid. You know what? Tell them. No, I wasn't. No, I made mistakes. That's why I'm telling you the word of God in a better way, a better way. I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm trying to save you pain. I walk in that room. Boom. Kick that door open. Hey, here I am. I unplugged that big box. It was back when there were the boxes with the speakers you could take off. Hoisted it on my shoulder. Walked downstairs. Boom, went out in my front yard. My house. My property that I'm paying for. I dropped that thing, went in my shed, came out and poured fuel on it. Stepped back and took a match. It's flaming. All those kids came down and stood at the front door. My children are like this. Oh my God. Oh my God. He's, he's nuts. 
Why? They were so embarrassed. You know what their friends were doing? <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. That's so cool. That is so cool. He loves you enough to do that. I said, yeah, I do. I do. We as parents, we need to stand up. Your kids don't need you to be their friend as a teenager. They need you to be their parent. When my kids, when my kids got married and had kids, I, then I'll develop a friendship with them. But right now, God's called me to be their parent. Does that make sense? And, and, and they need that. They need that now. Man, I remember the phone deals. They'd be texting. Get off that phone. I remember driving, snatching it up, and hearing, that's my phone. Thinking, I actually paid for this on the plan. I said, no, this is a tool of iniquity that washes you. It rushes you worse to evil. Snap. Rode down the window, threw it out. If you're green, I'm sorry, but it helps some person picking up trash. I've taken doors off my kids' rooms when they slam it. Said, don't come in here. <laughs> I'll put you a little curtain like they do in the Middle East. Assalamu alaikum. But don't worry, I've never put my kids in burkas. We're not extreme. And all three of my adult children still love us. Two are married, one's got a grandbaby. She is definitely in the will. And we have another one that's getting married soon. And we thank God. You parent the way you should, but let's help our children. We're in a war in this generation. We're in a war. It is a battle for their mind, for their heart, for their soul. And dads, if you're passive, man, they're going to they're gonna be the ones hurting. And wives, some of you need to let your man go and do what he wants to do. It may be a little unorthodox. It may be a little crazy. God will correct him, but let your stallion out the pen. Get them off the little pony circle. (laughs) Brushing his hair. Watch when you unclick that. (laughs) Run, let him run. Let him lead. He'll mess up, but let him do it. And when he messes up, just say, I forgive you. I'm for you. My wife is so for me. Can you believe it? I've messed up so much. And she just is still for me. She's forgiven me when I've done horrible, naughty things. I'm like, you can't forgive me. She goes, I have to for my own heart, honey. I'm like, God bless you. Can I just visit you in heaven? I know, I know you have a big mansion. I have a little adobe in the corner somewhere. <laughs> I've asked her, can I just weed eat your lawn? She's like, of course you can. But here's the deal. In second, are we in Second Corinthians? All right, here's the deal. Vince has walked forward. That means wrap it up, big boy. Second Corinthians chapter. Hey, just so y'all know, Rabbit Trail, if you want to know what emails I get every morning that help me, as a personal devotion, it's on target ministries, OTM. It's his ministry. And he sends out these little daily devotions, and even I can read them. And they encourage me. So, men, let me encourage you go OTM.org, those of you on Facebook, 
Because people want to say, well, how do, you, how do you stay strong with the Lord? That's, that's one of my secrets right there. Does that give me five more minutes? That was a plug. Okay. <laughs> so here it is. You got to take every thought captive to, to obey Christ. Every thought captive and punish the ones that ain't doing right. Every thought captive. This is the key to victory in areas that you may not have before. Because how many of you know the battlefield is the mind? Raise your hand. You can be preached, taught. You can, I mean, all these things. But if it's not working for you out there when the rubber meets the road, and maybe it's because I'm a, I'm a realist, I, you know, and, and I'd rather something work for me in a real fight than just have technical knowledge. Does that make sense? Because uh, I've been in it so much, and I just need what works. And this is a key, taking every thought captive. You got to recognize it, people. You got to recognize it first and go, whoa, what is, where's that thought coming from? It's only one of three places, God Almighty, your own mind, or the enemy. Unless you have multiple personalities and that, 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 (laughs) there's some other competing voices. But still, recognize the thought and categorize, is that from God, me, or the enemy? And if it's from the enemy, go, no, nope. Hey, no way. And we get hammered, don't we? Raise your hand if you get hammered. Look, look at us. It, this is what it is. So here's the best way you can come against these negative thoughts or make them obey. You can do it through prayer. Use the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind right, right now. Lord, I know there's some demonic force that is just targeting me with these evil thoughts. I actually asked the Lord, send warring angels with swords. Cut them up. Lord, I... <laughs> when we were in Iraq, Eileen, we were in a very bad space. She goes, Lord, I'm like, Lord, send legions of angels. Send them, send them. She goes, Lord, just send one. The one that, you know, the Syrians that killed them all. Just, just send that one. He's pretty experienced. And I was like, yes, what she said, Lord, just... Just that one, that one works. She really believes it, and it works. The name, the blood of Jesus. Put on praise music, worship music. Put it on. Demons can't stand it. And if they're the ones giving you the thoughts, you got to deal with them, right? You got to deal with them. Use the Word of God, use Scripture. It's the sword of the Spirit. I've heard people talk about, well, the armor of God is only for defense. Never often. I'm like, well, have you ever been in a real fight? You know, you can't do this all day. Sometimes you got to lay hands, crack somebody. So when you hear these thoughts, God doesn't love me, you got to go to the scripture, First John 3, 1, for what great love the Father has lavished on us. You have to say this stuff out loud. I can't be forgiven. I'll tell you the truth. Anything, if you confess your sin before God, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And then move on. Just move on. Quit belaboring it. Confess it. Repent. Move on. The, te- the temptation is too much for me to bear, Lord. There's no temptation such as common to man that God hasn't made a way of what? Escape. You can get out. Trust me. If ISIS was on your tail, you'd find a way to get out. You wouldn't be like, there's just a and they're shooting at us and... I'm afraid, God. I'm afraid, God. I'm fearful. 2 Timothy 1, 7. 
God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. I'm just crazy. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. <laughs> I, I can't love them, God. I can't love them. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power and a sound mind. I want us to be victorious and walk in our lanes however he calls you to be. Be inspired, not motivated. Motivation lasts for such a short period of time. Inspiration will last for a lifetime, and we need it. Be honest with one another. They're going to come forward now and do a little bit of worship. And if you need time to, to, to pray uh, and, and maybe confess sins or just get things right, you can. Can I say this about the altar? This ain't a place for you to be all good. It's a place for you to be real. It's a place for you to be real. You've been listening to The Road. We hope you have been blessed by today's message. To connect with us further, visit theroad.org. If you are walking through a difficult time, we want to pray for you. Go to theroad.org, click on the Ministries tab, and go to our prayer page to send us your prayer request. Thank you for tuning in today, and be sure to listen to the next edition of The Road. The Road.